0: Welcome, everyone, to a, another edition of the Heal and Face Podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. It is me, it is me, the big old Stevie C, kicking it with you on this Sunday evening, talking to you about professional wrestling. Uh, By the way, I am brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling, and thank you for joining me on Facebook Live, on your favorite social media platform, or if you're listening to the audio on your favorite podcast streaming service. Well, it is uh, here today, and of course, as uh, I said, I jinxed myself. And I allowed myself to be jinxed because when I left the show last week, I said, you know what? Hopefully there won't be that much news. Hopefully there'll be more wrestling. And boy, was I wrong. The news continues. Unfortunately, it seems like that's all we talk about these days on the Heel and Face podcast. But because it is germane and important to the world of professional wrestling, we must discuss it. So here we are. Also, just to uh, warn you that I am coming out of a cold, fluish situation. No, it is not the Rona. So don't be worried about that. But if I have to cough or if I have to hit the quote unquote dump button, uh, then please let me, uh, please just assure me that's what I'm doing is I'm doing one little cough that's coming up in between the time of me talking. So here we are, by the way, again, like you said, you can find me at all of my social medias at Healing Face Podcast. Just go anywhere. I don't do much on Instagram, but I am on Twitter a lot. I'm on Rumble, Mines, Locals, whatever is new, whatever is hot and popping, that's where I be, so you can catch me there, or like I said before, you can catch me on your favorite social media platform or your favorite audio streaming service. Well, let's let's not delay. Let's not waste any more time, shall we? Let's get right into the news and... Um, let's start off with the news of the eye roll news of the, well, I guess it's happening or news from the complete squandering of talent, which WWE absolutely seems to do. For now and forever, for all intents and purposes, for all, in perpetuity. What am I talking about? I am talking about... um, This was posted on his Twitter page. Mustafa Ali. Real name, Adil Alam. Who, heretofore despite the way he has been booked by WWE has been a role model has been nothing but a leader has been nothing but someone to look up to someone to aspire to in a time where diversity inclusion is being valued in society and in the corporate workspace, a very out-of-left-field issue has arisen, and it looks like that Mustafa Ali slash Adil Alam has asked for his release. So this was his statement that he made on Twitter. It says, I have a message that is much bigger than my dreams in pro wrestling. Despite my best efforts, I will not be able to deliver this message while working with WWE. Therefore, I am requesting my release from WWE. Because Once again, the WWE doesn't know what it has until it's gone. They stumbled into a gold mine with, uh, uh, with uh, Mustafa Ali. And remember, he started off five years ago as an alternate to the cruiserweight classic. And I don't remember exactly who got injured, but he made it into the classic, and he shined. And people loved him so much—his energy, his uh, determination, his his talent, his everything, his charisma, everything he had, he had going. Um, especially since I. Saw him in one promo with an Ohio State Buckeye t-shirt on, so I immediately catered to him as a big Buckeye fan, O-H-I-O. So I gravitated toward him for that specific reason, but then, of course, his personality, his fire, his character, his ability in the ring all led me to just want more out of him, and I am really, I'm really happy, uh, well, I was really happy to, de- to see someone who wasn't just getting in, at least I thought, who really wasn't getting into the WWE just for a token, right, that he was actually a very good wrestler who just happens to be uh, Muslim and just happens to be Pakistani, and uh, the WWE, not not. Be culturally aware. You know, we talk about Tony Khan and Swole and the whole rift, the talent rift there. Most of that was because of culture clashes and styles and people not uh, sharing or relating with uh, each other on a cultural level. Well, imagine being in the WWE and doing everything they ask and trying everything that they're trying out and still not being able to uh, connect in their eyes. So apparently what facilitated this was a couple of backstage rumors that, uh, Vince and Mustafa actually got into shouting matches there. Uh, uh, Mustafa also released a, an unreleased promo about making America great or make a, a better America. Again, that was never released. Uh, another continuing, uh, part of the saga of trying to put over a guy with something that he isn't instead of going with what he is. And I feel like this is just another example of the WWE wasting, squandering their talent, not knowing what they got till it's gone. Uh, Mustafa Ali would be a perfect candidate for Ring of Honor. Had things not happening to Ring of Honor the way they are. Um, be a great candidate for maybe New Japan Strong. Again, I know the 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 push, the drive is to just say just go to AEW. That might not work as well uh, as you would think it would. Now, who knows? The w- AEW's got their own problems with talent and talent rosters. And yes, Mustafa Ali would definitely make the roster better by being there. But I don't necessarily think he has to go there. Heck, you know, maybe he can take the take this year off and and be the husband that he's uh, that, that he is, maybe even uh, build up that place. Because there's the other side of this is that apparently Ali asked for paternity leave. And that's what he originally got his extended for he got an extended leave to be with his wife and somehow that turned into a shouting match with Vince McMahon again all we're doing is speculating right all we're doing is the rumors and but what we know what we know of the past of WWE what we know of the present of WWE predicts the future of the WWE and if Vince McMahon just sees you as this outsider evil foreigner despite the fact that he's born and raised in the united states and that he doesn't necessarily cling tightly to any stereotypes um they had a great white meat baby face lined up in Mustafa Ali, and chose to go the weird mentor route chose to go different routes and be like quasi stereotypical so um let's put it this way at least he didn't come out with pointy shoes and a magic carpet. Not like uh, Arya Davari and his uh, his uh, magic carpet ride frog splash from the top rope, which is basically him uh, hugging a uh, Muslim prayer rug and splashing on top of his opponent. I don't know what the future holds for uh, Adil Alam. I hope. He finds peace and I hope he can go somewhere where he's appreciated where it's not going to be the corny uh, quasi-foreigner gimmick for him uh, where he's not going to be some kind of controlling weirdo, uh, just be a guy who just wants to uh, follow his dream and have that dream put food on the table for his children and his adoring wife so hopefully good things are ahead for Mustafa Ali slash uh, Adil Alam, hopefully he won't have to suffer fools anymore uh, as far as uh, working with the WWE. Well, speaking of someone that doesn't work for the WWE anymore, someone who clearly needs help, someone who is so stuck that uh, they just probably need extricated, like just removed completely. And it was interesting that uh, when I came upon this, because at the time I was listening to clips from Jim Cornette's show where he and Brian, the co-host were going over uh, obscure times where Jim Cornette made appearances in the nineties. And one of them was a show in Wildwood, New Jersey and it was weird that it happened like that because the wrestler in question didn't show up. Not only didn't show up for the card, but she lives in Jersey, uh, not far away. This is a, apparently a popular vacation spot that uh, she was supposed to be in in the 90s, and she no-showed it. But right now, she's got even more problems than that. And that is Tammy Sitch, a.k.a. Sonny. She was arrested on multiple charges, including uh, weapons charges and terroristic threats. Uh, At the time of this taping, I thought it was a gun charge, but it turns out it's just a weapon because they couldn't prove that a gun was used in the actual perpetration of whatever crime it was. Now, Jersey has a different code and statute than most of the United States. Most of the United States classifies things as misdemeanors and felonies. But in Jersey, everything is against the law. It's just a question of what degree. So she was arrested for um, third degree possession of weapons and making terroristic threats to another man. Look, we all know Sitch's track record. We know, her foibles we know that uh really honestly let's be real she hasn't fully recovered from anything since chris candido passed away from that horrible leg injury he suffered at impact um she's continually being uh, putting herself in terrible situations with people um so i don't want to rehash everything that she's done because i'm not here to necessarily shame i am here to um send her prayers and hopefully she can uh, find some peace of mind and recover. She still has a lot to go. She's in her mid fifties. She could easily get back into the convention game and make money that way if she wanted. So I don't think things are over, but I really hope and pray that she does find the peace and the, uh, uh, and the, uh, um, the, the the health that she deserves. I mean, she's a human being. I know well, you want to say this about her, you want to say that about her, you want to say she was put in this position. Um, yeah, you could argue a lot of things, but this isn't the time to argue. This is the time to pray for her. Uh, sorry if I'm getting on too much of a religious and philosophical soapbox, but this is not the time to uh, clown her. This is the time to try to build her up and, and, and hope that the best comes for her. She has vowed to stay clean. She checked herself into rehab, which um, that usually shows a, a repentant heart. Not all the time, but whatever. The, if the writing is on the wall, it's on the wall. If not, it's not. I don't think we should shame her. I just think we should just support her. Hopefully, this is the last straw, and hopefully she will not only get clean, but also uh, get completely clean. So she doesn't have to live out her days doing uh, craziness like this. But this whole wrestling game that we're in is crazy, right? This whole thing is nuts. It's so wide open now. It went from being such shut down by WWE and the Monopoly that, that it just took over. Um, that, 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 that now you can just do pretty much whatever you want. You can go wherever you want. You can work with whomever you want. If you're not signed with WWE, you're out there growing your own brand, right? You're out there doing your own thing and being relatively successful at it. I understand this current person we're about to talk about has that mentality that he was with WWE for too long and they were holding him back and he decided not to resign. But he was a WWE lifer. He even said in a, in a quote that WWE was his developmental. Okay. And there's a lot of people that go through developmental and then they either don't make it and go somewhere else like Edna Juca or they just get released or whatever. Uh, but uh, this guy has actually said that actually wrestling for WWE, being in WWE that time, learned I learned a ton of valuable lessons. And uh, it shows because, drumroll please, I know I laughed when I typed this too, independent pro wrestler Matt Cardona defeats Rhino for the ECW TV title. Or I could read that again, ECTV title? So yes, indeed, Matt Cardona is now the ECW Television champion, by the way, along with the absolute insane wrestling uh, championships as well. So he's very busy, and he's being a belt collector, and I'm okay with it. I mean, let's go. Let's bring the impact belt into this. Let's bring a ton of different belts in and uh, let Matt Cardona experience what it's like to be a – really experience what it's like to be an indie wrestler. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Oops, uh, sorry. Quick check of the graphic, right graphic. Okay, so there was a little bit on um, on social media as opposed to how he could have come up with this, how he can be the ECW TV title didn't Vince buy? The product. So apparently, as I have been explained, this um, what happened was is that even though Vince McMahon bought all the properties and bought everything there is to have about ECW, that you can pick and choose what you want and what you don't want. And since WWE had no desire to roll Rhino's title or merge it or do anything whatever. They didn't really even technically discontinue it. Apparently, you can still act as though you are the property holder. You are the patent of that particular thing, and you can have it. And I guess this isn't uncommon. Back in the territory days, apparently, a lot of wrestlers who just up and quit with the belt, Uh, just left and then they just called it whatever they wanted or they called it the NWA television or heavyweight championship when it may not have been or when it may not even belong to them. But as long as you belong to it, it's yours. So through a legal loophole of Vince not caring about anything in ECW other than the title, other than the heavyweight title, Matt Cardona is your new champ. So um, shout out to him. Interestingly enough, all right, well, uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, we will talk NXT, speaking of Vince and, and developmental and all that. We'll come back with a final story that I found very fascinating um, that may or may not break this entire thing wide open. The monopoly that WWE is perpetrating in North America on the professional wrestling world. And we will talk MLW as well. Well, And we'll kind of end the show catching you up on MLW. So you are listening and or watching the Heel and Face podcast. A podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. Brought to you by Heel Turn wrestling. We'll see you in a few. Thank you, everybody. It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castle Oboe, coming back at you with the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. And let me tell you, uh, it has been so much fun working with uh, this outfit, this um, animal House, we call Heel Turn Wrestling. I mean, we're just continuing to grow. We're continuing to be the biggest fan-driven, fan-oriented sports information site pretty much anywhere. And we love your support. And we appreciate your support, uh, not just supporting me on my page, which is what I hope you do, but also support Heel Turn Wrestling in general. And one way to do that, obviously, is to go to prowrestlingtees.com backslash Heel Turn Wrestling. That's right. You can join us at our page at Heel Turn Wrestling where you can enjoy all the fantastic merch that is available to you. That's right. You can get all of our t-shirts. You can get the Billy Alexander Franchise Takes Five podcast. You can get Alcoholic Adams t-shirts. You can rep the whole brand to get a nice, beautiful heel turn wrestling uh, company logo. But, of course, be the envy of all of your friends and pick up the sexiest t-shirt on the market. That's right. The heel and Face podcast t-shirt. All available for you at ProWrestlingTees.com. That's prowrestlingtees.com backslash heel turn wrestling. All your friends are doing it, and it'll make you feel good. Somebody who's not feeling good right now is Court Bauer. And the reason why he is not feeling good is because he is not happy with what's going on in the WWE, especially when it comes to their practices, their business practices. And it isn't like Court Bauer is just some, I don't know, guy whose dad owns a very successful patent and an NFL football team or anything. But uh, Kurt Bauer actually worked with WWE, actually worked with Vince McMahon, and he knows how – uh, Vince McMahon operates, which is why. Being posted everywhere, but mostly on, uh, I believe this is Wrestle World. MLW files an antitrust lawsuit against the WWE. So I will go ahead and And click here and kind of read through for you the statement. So, professional wrestling company Major League Wrestling filed a lawsuit today against World Wrestling Entertainment. The federal court antitrust lawsuit is based on WWE's ongoing attempts to undermine competition in and monopolize the professional wrestling market by interfering with MLW contracts and prospects. As described by the complainant, WWE pressured three parties to abandon contracts and prospective relationships with MLW. WWE's misconduct included disrupting every level of MLW's business, including a major streaming deal for MLW, which would have been transformative for the company. MLW also alleged that in a complaint that in early 2021, After MLW announced that it was in talks with Vice TV to air MLW programs on Vice TV, a then WWE executive warned Vice TV that WWE owner Vince McMahon was pissed that Vice TV was airing MLW programs and that Vice TV should stop working with MLW. The Vice TV executive responded that WWE's conduct was illegal and an antitrust violation, with the WWE executive responding that she could not control. Mr. McMahon. WWE has been wrongfully depriving its competitors of critical opportunities for many years, but its latest conduct has even been more unconscionable, said MLW CEO Court Bauer. I think we speak for the rest of the professional wrestling world in when we say that this is anti-competitive behavior has to stop, which is really interesting. Uh, One, because with all this talk about opening the forbidden door and all this talk about uh, the wrestlers being able to openly go from place to place to ply their wares and just be a journeyman like it used to be in the old days, And also with the fact that, uh, again, Vince McMahon is playing very fast and loose with what an independent contractor is, if this has legs, if this goes anywhere, if Vince doesn't try to settle out of court, then this might be really, really interesting. We all know that Vince McMahon is not necessarily playing by the rules when it comes to is business practices. We know that if the WWE has their eye on a particular performer, they're going to basically do whatever they can to convince that performer to come to WWE or to run them down so badly that no one else will sign them. So we're not telling necessarily tales out of school. We know that this is Vince McMahon's behavior, but now it's finally being challenged. It's finally being challenged in court, and I'm all for it. I would really love Court Bauer to also uh, challenge the independent contractor rules, because if Vince McMahon is denying people who are willingly applying their trade to WWE the access to make money other places, possibly even more money, or the prospect of actually getting used just so he can stash them into some uh, closet, never to be used because no one else will use them. And if no one else use them, then they can't use them too, or something to that effect. Then, hopefully, this thing will blow up in Vince's face and hopefully uh, Vince will uh, have a little bit of egg on his face when it comes to being a contract working for the WWE. I definitely like to see it happen because once again, I think people should work where they're comfortable and work where they're maximizing their potential. And that means different things for different people. But we also know that Vince plays hardball in court. Vince is very willing to drain anybody who sues them and, Out of their uh, costs, out of their livelihood, in order to either settle or to eventually win the case. Vince has been on a high horse with uh, the federal government ever since he beat the rap for uh, steroid abuse and use in the locker room. You don't think you're going to scare him now which is essentially what the worker kind of said, the anonymous WWE employee said to Court Bauer, well, I can't control what Vince McMahon does. So we shall see. This is a very interesting developing story. If MLW is able to be the one to finally shut down all this independent contractor stuff, to finally shut down Vince McMahon's monopoly on the market, uh, that would be um, mind-boggling, and that would be completely amazing. And what we're seeing now, because of the diversity, because of the the uh, the openness of professional wrestling, because there's so much work for the girls and boys to do, there is a certain amount of wrestling that you don't even need. The WWE for you don't need the WWE for you need uh, other places you need to expand your horizons and what better way to do that than going to MLW which is really interesting so I'm going to go ahead and recap MLW for you there there seems to be um, uh, th- there, there seems to be a shift a power vacuum. Sorry, something was going on in my computer. I don't know what. Uh, there seems to be definitely a shift in power, a balance of power. Now that the vacuum of Contra is gone, there seems to be someone who uh, uh, is is thirsting for power, and that is Cesar Duran. So, what he has done in the wake of Contra is that he has now put his thumbprint on MLW, and he was given the Booking status by Kurt Bauer. I don't know if this was a great idea or not, but it is what it is. It happened, so uh, we are all going to deal with it. And unfortunately, the one who has to deal with it the most is Hammerstone. Recently, on an episode of uh, MLW Azteca, actually, MLW Azteca number one, the main event of that evening was uh, King Muertes. And uh, Judas, Judeus, versus Hammerstone and Pagano. Hammerstone went to Mexico looking to try to end the reign of Caesar Duran before it even really got started. So he enlisted a man who he knew, whether or not you agreed with him or not, who could... Be the only person in Mexico to stand up to Cesar Duran and his evil Azteca henchmen, and he we looked no further than Pagano, who had had beef with Azteca Underground previously, so it was a no-brainer to bring uh, the evil clown Pagano with Hammerstone to take out. Uh, uh, Lucha uh, or underground Azteca for good. Well, that didn't last long because even though Hammerstone and Pagano got the win, Cesar Duran makes his appearance at the top of the ramp and, you know, basically says, You don't know what the powers you're dealing with. He gives the high sign apparently to Pagano, who was behind, uh, Hammerstone and Pagano, uh, attacks Hammerstone. That's right. He turns on his partner after the match, and now he is one of the nameless, faceless rabble who are following Cesar Duran and the cult of Azteca underground. Uh, things are getting very weird there too as well, because now that Selena de la Renta is back, but she is changed. She has completely embraced the darker side where I think she flirted with evil before, but now that she is back and she is reforming this Alliance, she is more like, if you want to compare this to game of Thrones, she is more like Melisandre, right? She is the one who is the nexus. She's the focal point for all of the evil that Cesar Duran wants to unleash On MLW, it is a scary pairing for the both of them, but the stronger they get together, the more damage that they will do. They ended up kidnapping Alexander Hammerstone and a couple of other wrestlers. Thankfully, Richard Holiday, who unfortunately just lost the IWC Caribbean Championship, was around for Hammerstone, uh, would not stop, threatened to Cesar Duran, to the point where uh, he took desperate times, took desperate measures, and Holiday uh, somehow acquired, I'm not going to say he didn't beat up a henchman, somehow acquired the garb of the Azteca luchador henchman, the red mask and all black, snuck in, freed Hammerstone, and we will see what happens to the bringer of the nightmare pendulum as things go on. So other news out of MLW, which is worth talking about is another victory for 5150 for Conan's group. Every time Conan gets a tag team and there's a reiteration of said tag team, all they do, all they do is gold. All they do is gold. And that's what happened. So on this recent tour, not only did they defend the MLW belts successfully against Aerostar and Drago, whom they called out of the locker earlier, but they also uh, went over to IWC in Puerto Rico and captured the IWC Tag Championship. So... We're talking about collectors, belt collectors on the independent scene. We cannot ignore Slice Boogie and Danny Limelight. Uh, Danny uh, Rivera. We can't deny them. An up-and-coming group having two belts. And, you know, if you're going to have two, why not have three? Go after Impact. Go after anywhere else. Go after New Japan. Do whatever you got to do. Uh, this is another up-and-coming uh up uh, and coming a set of pro wrestlers and Conan doesn't miss when he finds somebody. I don't think he's ever missed in the last 10 years or so that he has got LAX or 5150, whether it was homicide and, uh, uh, Hernandez, whether it was proud and powerful or whether it is this new iteration of 5150, um, Conan is not to be denied and clearly shows when you have dual champs. As I said, Richard Holiday lost the uh, IWC Caribbean championship. I don't think he's ever going to get it back again. I feel like that's just kind of a way to keep, that was a way to keep both teams together. Uh, The working relationship alive. I know that MLW is really trying to solidify their presence in, uh, in the, the Caribbean and Puerto Rico and all the other in in Mexico, all the other Central America locations. It's a good market. Why not? It's a great market. Nobody, you know, nobody respects the uh, down there enough, but uh, they're just as much crazy, rabid professional wrestling fans as we are. So we should keep it going. Um, Or so, so they should keep it going. I should have said Uh, other interesting little nugget that I don't think a lot of people caught was while Richard Holliday was on his quest to free Hammerstone from the clutches of under uh, Azteca underground and Cesar Duran. As you're walking down all of the holding cells, a name appears in the top left corner on the left side of the hallway and there is a holding cell for someone who was already a part of Azteca Underground when it was Lucha Underground. That's right, Killshot. Killshot was mentioned, and it was funny. Um, Isaiah Swerve Scott also mentioned had a very cryptic tweet recently about Killshot, possible resurrection of the character. How interesting would that be to have Killshot back? It as Tekka Underground in lucha uh, in a lucha mask, ready to go, ready to face Cesar Duran and his henchmen to take back MLW. So a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, they do have the Blood and Thunder pay per view coming up. That's going to be interesting. You're going to see uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good matchups, including the uh, return of the Von Erichs. Marshall and Ross, who are now going to challenge the ta- current tag champs, Fifty One Fifty Slice Boogie, and Rivera for the belts. That ought to be a real good, real, real good match. A clash of styles that will actually look good on paper. Uh, the Von Erics are looking for being able to win a belt for the Von Erich family for the first time in what thirty-seven years? So that's a long time. That's that's a that's that's a long time. Um, so let's see how that goes. Other uh, very exciting uh, matches coming up on Blood and Thunder, which I will probably tweet about later on through the uh, through the uh, through the next week uh, when they have the event. I believe it was this week anyway. So I don't have uh, I don't have accurate uh, results. But I will definitely look into it, and I think you guys should too. Honestly, and I hate to say it because I don't want to be piling on per se, but it just seems like when you look at what's going on in the world of professional wrestling, when so many good wrestlers are now spreading out to different organizations, when you can see Eddie Kingston and AEW, when you can see – Uh, Matt Cordona going from place to place to place, bopping around. And when you see the quote-unquote forbidden door open, then you really get to appreciate how much good professional wrestling is out there as opposed to quote-unquote sports entertainment, which the two top promotions in the country right now are trying to give us. The one that invented the phrase sports entertainment, WWE, plus the one who is doing it, and by and large, doing it quite badly, AEW. And again, you like what you like, I like what I like. I am going to be more inclined to pay attention to what's going on in AEW anymore over WWE, despite the fact that the Royal Rumble is in two weeks. But the fact that WWE is just not on my radar right now, and AEW is not really doing anything, As far as uh, getting me to want to see the product anyway, seeing as though that most of the uh, WWE wrestlers that go to AEW are not doing really anything. And it took CM Punk like seven months to figure out uh, he has to do something quick or he's going to just be lumped together with everybody else. Now, that being said, yes, the Daniel Bryan versus Adam Page stuff is good. But that would be good anywhere. That would be good in a bingo hall. It would be good in in someone's backyard. So I don't know qualifying it by saying, well, Daniel Bryan is good. Uh, That's like saying, you know, the buttercream frosting is great, but this cake tastes like eating a sponge. So there you have it with MLW and. You know what? Speaking of NXT, speaking of WWE, let's just go ahead and just get right into it for the last uh, ten minutes or so of today's podcast, shall we? We shall. Um, AEW or uh, NXT has become patently unwatchable, uh, even with this new entrance. It's it's like it's like they're sledgehammering themselves, really. Uh, you see the X that's built and Braun Breaker busts it down. He kicks it down. I mean, if if Vince McMahon isn't lighting a, a cardboard cutout of the NXT logo with Triple H on it on fire and then peeing on it to put it out, the message is obviously clear. We're not that old NXT anymore. We're going to be the new and approved NXT, which looks a lot like the old SmackDown. That's where we're going with this. It's sad, and it's frustrating, and very little redeeming quality is in here. Now, there are some bright spots. First of all, Tian is dead. Thank you. thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for finally getting rid of of the stupid, horrid, evil foreigner gimmick. No one wants that in 2021. No one does. Now it's going to take a while, but let me tell you, this Wendy Chu gimmick is quite funny, and I think it's got a little bit of legs. I think it could be really good. Uh, just, Just be, I guess, again... When you're in the WWE, you're just turning your own personality up to eleven, and Karen Q getting um, getting to be able to show who she is as Wendy Chu. The uh, like, it's 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 almost like Drunken Master, where you know, the the famous Jackie Chan movie where he plays the Drunken Master, and his martial arts style shouldn't make Shouldn't be feared, but it is. It's one of the deadliest ones. That it shouldn't make sense, but it does. Uh, This Wendy Chu thing doesn't make sense, but it does. And it's a lot of fun. And they're getting her as far away from Chen Xia and all that garbage as possible. And I will gladly accept this as a substitute for Karen Q's character because anything was better than that garbage. And, of course, no one knows where Xia Li is either. She was on SmackDown twice, becoming a hero, and that's not trending either. I mean, it is what it is. Like, you're really going to market a uh, female wrestler as a superhero, and you're going to make the matches look like a graphic novel, make it look like uh, uh, Spy Kids. I mean, she was coming out. She was looking like Spy Kids 3. It was bad. But anyway, just to quickly recap and go through NXT, um, you know, telling poor Braun Breaker to say things like, screw old NXT, whatever, moving on. Um, again, more completely, not completely, again, because I had this on as background noise, so I'm just telling you in the frame of, if, if, if I didn't have it as background noise, I wouldn't have watched this at all, and this is the reason. This is not drawing eyes. This is not drawing me to want to watch NXT. This is just dumb. It's just old tire cliches that are being uh, rewrapped. As apparently Santos Escobar and Zion Quinn, or Zyklon B, or whatever he's called, uh, are fighting for, for, what's-her-name... (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I thought her name was uh, Lopez. Anyway, so apparently she's either smitten by Zion and she wants to kind of be his second or whatever, which she's amazing wrestling. I don't know why they go there, but they go there. Or continue with uh, La Familia at... Uh, Legado del Fantasma and the idiotic storylines overshadowing what would have been a pretty decent match between two young Lions that they want to put over. Um, So, of course, Santos gets the win from the low blow from the while my back was turned, you know. uh, It's the, uh, the old kick in the junk from Uh, Lopez, Electro Lopez, to Zion Quinn. And then, of course, uh, uh, Santos puts him in the Phantom Driver. One, two, three. Santos wins. If they're not going to put him in the major title shot, they're not going to put Escobar in the major title shot, which is where he needs to be. He is a guy that needs a belt, but not in a bad way, because most of the time when you talk about a guy who needs a belt – it's pretty much because they don't have anything to do with them, and uh, they want them to shine. They want them to see we'll see what they have in a wrestler. That's why you kind of sometimes accidentally give him a belt to make sure that they they, they, they they know what they're looking at. They know what he looks like or her or she, what she looks like with a belt on um, to see if maybe her star power or her, his star power are uh, taken to another level. Santos Escobar is a guy who needs a belt, and yet he's squandering uh, his opportunities or whatever, flailing around with a guy that they want to put over in NXT for Vince because he's 15 feet tall and he looks like a brick house. Next match, my boy Cameron Grimes against local enhancement talent to the stars, Damon Kemp. Uh, Malcolm Bivens was out to scout Cameron Grimes during this match, but it really didn't need to. Uh, David Kim got some offense in, but it really didn't matter because in the end, uh, Cameron Grimes, who looks less hairy, less hirsute suit than I've seen him last. And yes, he's still rich, by the way. And uh, being still rich, he doesn't need anything but we'll see if he's going to get or if he needs Malcolm Bivens um this was a qual next was a qualifying match for the Dusty Cup which they're going through again which I'm okay with problem is there are times where you have to Book the underdog to win just to make things look good and set up another storyline down the road. But this ain't it. This was uh, Idris uh, Innofe and Malik Blade, uh, Daryl Dawkins' uh, nephew, uh, versus Joe Gacy and Harland. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't a bad match. It was actually really good. You know, Joe Gacy taking over in the beginning. Then, then the baby faces, Idris. Actually, Idris has a lot of good offense, and they did have... Excuse my voice. He just has some good offense. They did have some good tag team offense together. He and Malik Blade. If they could get like maybe a cool sounding name like the Young Lions or those hot that hot fire. Well, I don't know. Don't don't steal any catchphrases from Myron Reed. I don't I don't suggest that. But uh do find a cool name you can call each other. And uh they could be, you know, a, a great tag team. They could be a, a fun, solid tag team to watch on NXT. But unfortunately, you have to kind of accidentally put them over, which is what happened. Uh, Long story short, Gacy gets the hot tag to Holland, who takes over the the complete match. And he just basically washes uh, uh, Malik in the corner until it was a ref stoppage. All right, okay, ref stoppage. It wasn't a ref stoppage like, you know, well, the referee decided the better team won. No, this is uh, the old school. We're not going to book you, but we're still going to keep you strong. So they kept Harlan strong by giving him a five count. You know, oh, he's so psychotic. He's so deranged that he doesn't even know the rules of professional wrestling, that he wasn't aware that he was getting enough, he went past the five count. Well, no, you know that the next two who are going to compete for the WWE, heavy, uh, the uh, NXT uh, tag belts uh, are going to be Harland and Joe Gacy. Obviously setting this up. I know I'm, I've given up on the Grizzle Young veterans because WWE has. And uh, there's other teams out there for the bracket that I'm just like, okay, whatever. They're just throwing people together, like like Reed Bronson, not Reed Bronson, Reed Bronson, and whatever uh, Briggs, uh, the the country duo act, you know. So it's whatever. Um, I I like. I don't have a problem again with the make the bad guy look strong, but not let him advance. I, this just wasn't it. This shouldn't have been it. This should have been a complete wash for Gacy and Harlan to get into the uh, into the tournament. But it is what it is. Um, Walter made an appearance. Not a fan of Malcolm Bivens talking crap. Setting up a, a faction feud between Diamond Mine and Imperium. Uh, Next, a match with no build, a match that they just threw out there because that's what they do. Tony D'Angelo, along with T.L. Hopper, the Goon, Max Moon, and Doink defeated Pete Dunne in a Crowbar and a pole match that I'm sure was booked by Vince Russo. Um, the match itself wasn't bad, so I guess that's a testament to the two who were fighting. My issue is, and it will continue to be, is everything's hotshotted now, so nothing special. Like, this should be a match on NXT TakeOver. This should be like the opening match on NXT War Games or something, or TakeOver, a blood feud between these two which I wouldn't mind seeing. And you got to work the new guy up to a level where it makes sense. I mean, he did everything right, but it's pretty much at this point, they're just told what to do anyway, so they just do it, as opposed to the organic build between a feud, like, hey, I don't like you, uh, whatever. No, this this feud was shot to the moon, and for some reason, Pete Dunne was on the other end of it. I don't want to know if I want to read into that one at all or not. Like I, I talked about the three-person tag a little bit because I'm happy that Wendy Chu is now Wendy Chu and not anything worse. Uh, they ended up winning a three-woman tag, which, again, I would not mind if NXT brought back th- three-woman, three-man tag belts, whatever. Indy Hartwell, Persia Parada, who is thick as heck and strong and uh, fantastic, and I may be developing a crush, I don't know, and versus Katie Catanzaro, Team KC, basically, Caden Carter and Amari Miller, who, Amari Miller's got some talent, but I wouldn't have picked, I wouldn't have kept her over, uh, over over uh, Zeta Ramir, but what do I know? Uh, good, good clash of styles, and Indy Hartwell's one of the best wrestlers. She was by far... Indy Hartwell is the best wrestler in that whole group. Um, The whole, the spot, the sleepy spot and the, uh, the the yawning matrix that she did when Amari Miller tried to hit her with a clothesline from Wendy Chu. That was uh, really fun. I like that. I, I enjoyed that. Um, the boringness continued, uh, another terribly kept secret, uh, Solo Uso, Solo Sikoa. Versus Boa ended in a no contest. Uh, pretty hard hitting, but then there was a backstage segment. And I don't know, maybe I cursed them because I thought about this. I'm like, you know what? We haven't had fire in a while. We haven't had a good fireball in wrestling for a while. And what do you know? As soon as Boa and, and Solo are uh, fighting out in the back, uh, Boa uses his evil dark magic to uh, fire a flamethrower. And uh, Temporary Blind Solo, secoa. Uh, I think uh, he's fine. Uh, K- Carmelo Hayes wants us to know that he is the A champion now that he has merged both belts. Uh, no one really cares. And the final match was a holdover from NXT. Uh, or from Raw, this is kind of like you've been a inter- uh, promotional feud between Grayson Waller and AJ Styles. Grayson Waller distur- deserves better. So does AJ Styles. They both deserve better. They're not getting it. And this is just a way to bring um, uh, bring uh, Eli Drake, L.A. Knight, yeah, dummy, back, which is, they did it in the status way too. I mean, even WWE on WWE.com admitted it was sad because their um, – Their byline for that was LA Knight gets the AJ Styles rub with phenomenal return. So again, they're even using the terms. Gets the rub from... First of all, what does LA Knight need a a rub from AJ Styles for? Uh, LA Knight is already a seasoned, wily veteran who deserves uh, everything he's getting and needs his final shot. This is his final break. This is his final break to make it in the WWE and have lasting power. What does he need a rub from AJ Styles for? There's just terrible wording on the WWE's part. But again, WWE isn't doing a whole lot these days to endear themselves with anyone else in the uh, wrestling universe. So that was the recap of NXT. Um, I'm just going to be. Uh, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going just going to try to keep more of uh, my recaps for uh, MLW and possibly NWA. I was going to give you a quick NWA recap too, but I think I watched uh, a lesson behind. I think I was a, a episode behind. So the only thing I remember from the episode I watched was. They are having the NWA Junior Heavyweight Tournament with Austin Idol on commentary, which, again, okay, whatever. It's Austin Idol. You need an old heel. Arya Davari uh, won his contest and he won with the Magic Carpet ride. Okay, LOL. He's Persian. He's Muslim. He's Iranian. Okay, LOL, right? Whatever. He grabs the prayer rug and tries to put it over his chest and he holds on to it while he splashes onto his opponent. But the best part of that was Austin Idol on commentary saying, hey, Joe Galley, who's the play-by-play guy, hey, Joe, you remember that song, Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf? So here we have a racial stereotype that's being leaned into. We have... A prayer rug being used as a flying magic carpet. And on top of that, we have a veteran who is bringing a 50-year-old reference to a modern pro wrestling show. Well, if you're going to bring a 50-year-old reference to a pro wrestling show, then the one to bring it to is, in fact, NWA. I love pro wrestling. I love pro wrestling. I love pro wrestling, and I hope you guys do, too. Uh, hopefully, it'll continue to get better before it gets worse. Hopefully, there will be no more um, gaffs in AEW. Hopefully, there, they'll find a better stride with talented wrestlers that are that are now signed and ready to go. And uh, the indie scene is about to pick up, especially here in Ohio. And I'm really going to be juiced up try to uh, check out some shows. So I just want to leave you with that. Be positive. Stay positive. Stay cool. It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C. And I am getting out of here for today. Thanks for joining me on the Heel & Face podcast, the podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Have fun. Stay cool. And as always, peace.